once again, God knew what he was doing when he was leading Brian to plan the song. We are, we're in John chapter 8, looking at, at Jesus being the light of the world, and I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. I'm going to share a hunting story with you, but you deserve some background on this. I grew up in Charlotte. There was not a country bone in my body. I like the outdoors, but Charlotte outdoors looks different than Gates County outdoors, right? And so the only thing I had ever hunted in my life was my other shoe, right? I had nothing nothing i liked football that's what you did outside that was me but god called me to ministry and led me to this little place that i had never heard of called nashville north carolina anybody have y'all heard of nashville north carolina all right all right so some people i didn't know there was another one besides tennessee until i got there and so i was on staff at a church and my role in ministry there was to lead the youth ministry. And so I had to figure out how do you communicate to Nashville, North Carolina teenagers, and especially the, the guys. And I knew they were farmers. I knew they were hunters. Well, I didn't know how to farm. But we lived, we found this little house to rent on a hundred acres and it was a hundred acres because the guy got a hundred acres and his nine siblings also got a hundred acres so there is this thousand acres of nothingness in Nashville North Carolina and this Charlotte dude living on it and so I thought I've got to hunt if I am going to make any difference in these kids life and have the opportunity even have a conversation i have to be fluent in redneck i have to learn to hunt and i had nothing i i bought a gun like i bought a little 380 handgun the day i turned 21 but i lived in charlotte 380s were for different reasons in charlotte and so that's it i had nothing and so I thought the guy who I were rented from, he gave me permission to hunt. And, and I knew the process, right? You find a deer and you shoot it. That can't be difficult. And so my brother gave me a gun, and so I go to hunt. And, and I had scouted out some places where I knew there were deer and and I do like the outdoors, so I thought sneaking up on deer would be hilariously fun in the summer. And so I did. I just, I scooted, army crawled on the ground to see how close I could get to deer. And then, so it's deer season, right? And so I knew that you had to be out there in the stank, dark time of the morning and get ready for the sun to come up. And there was this big path. You crossed the street we lived on, and then there was this path that was, I don't know, six, seven hundred yards back. And then there was this field. At the point, there was this tree. There was a deer stand, right? A couple pieces of wood and a kickstand to hold it up. And that was it. I was going to climb that tree. The sun was going to come up a couple hours later, and I was going to be a successful deer hunter. The only problem is, y'all, at four in the morning, it is dark. It is dark. And it is not like Charlotte dark. It's dark. Like, there's nothing. It is dark. And I start down this, this path, and it is cold, and it is dark. And I have this gun that I've only shot once or twice before to make sure it's shot straight. And I knew that I was not the only thing out there in the dark. And it creeped me out. And I was hearing things. And I didn't know what those things were because Charlotte didn't make those sounds. And so I was listening as I was going down, and it was real tight. The path was real tight, and there were thick, young pines on both sides, and it was pretty thick underbrush. And 
years went by before I knew what those sounds were. I was listening to deer snort at me. They were blowing at me all the way down in the dark. And I heard in the tree above me while I'm sitting there, after I finally got there, it was so comforting to finally get in the stand where, you know, the Sasquatch doesn't live in the tree, right? And so I'm finally. And then I heard this sound way above me in this tree, and it was like halfway between a, a screaming baby and a whine. And I was thinking, what in the world is in this tree? And I was going to get out of the tree, but I knew what I just came through to get to the tree, and I was not getting out of this tree of safety. It was a bobcat. There was a bobcat in the tree ahead of me. So I get up the tree, and a little later, after hearing this whine, this tree, I mean, this cat comes down the backside of the tree and it's gone. And so there's my start to hunting. I did not kill a deer in Nashville, North Carolina. But what I learned was I was afraid of the dark. I don't like the dark. And I had this thing that in the dark, there's things that live there that can see me when I can't see them. And I don't like that. And a gun is useless if you can't see what you're pointing it at, right? And so I did not like the dark. But I wonder in my heart, why do I run to the dark? so easily in my spiritual life. You know, I, I know that Jesus is the light of the world. But that light is so important to us because darkness is so common to us. And so I want to read in John chapter 8, I want to read a lot about Jesus speaking. And so, find John chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 12 and read until I lose my voice. So, <clears throat> listen up in verse 12 of chapter 8 of John. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I've come from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will, you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the, Jew, the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I will tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, 
then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who have believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who, is, who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what, what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you do what? you have heard from your father Abraham is our father they answered if you were Abraham's children said Jesus then the work then you would do the things Abraham did as it is you're determined to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God Abraham did not do such things you're doing the things your own father does we are not illegitimate children they protested the only father we have is God himself Jesus said to them if God were your father you would love me for I came from God and now I'm here I have not come on my own but he sent me why is my language not clear to you because you are unable to hear what I say you belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me, though you do not know him. I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad, yet you are not 50 years old. You are not 50 years old. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Let's pray. God, so much is in this passage. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. And Help us to, to see what you see in us. And Lord, as you speak to our hearts, help us to see what you know about us. Help us to know about you as well. For God, we come to you praising you in Christ's name. Amen. I want to offer just a few simple truths and then we are going to to move on but but light think about it 
God's first act of creation was light, right? He made light. And so I want to, to look first and see this coming light, the coming light. We are a part of a cosmic conflict between light and darkness. And this should not come as a surprise that we are constantly fighting with the battles within our own heart. Our world is in darkness and under the judgment of God. I wonder, this may have come across differently in the 50s when, when morality was at a high it's it's easily seen in our world now darkness is easily seen in our world and we get wrapped up in darkness we dabble in darkness and then it sucks us in deeper we're condemned for our rebellious love affair with darkness you see it starts as dabbling but then it is an obsession and I'm a visual person, and I have these visions in my mind, but then I try to translate them because I'm not normal, right? Have you ever been at a place where you turn on the lights and you see, like, bugs run? They enjoy the darkness, and when the light hits them, they can't stand it, so they flee. So which are we? You know, are we? do we enjoy the darkness so much that when God's light shines, we crouch in fear of it? We don't want that on us? Does it expose what we like to do in darkness? See, we're in this, this conflict between light and darkness, but God chose to reveal the light that was to come through the people of Israel. You think of his grace now. He knew we were dark. He knew we were sinful. He told them they were sinful. And yet, knowing that if given the choice, we will choose darkness because of our sin nature, he chose to reveal the light. And he told them, he told the Israelites, it's coming. There is a day. And he even told them here, I am the light of the world. And so our world is inherently dark. Our world is inherently sinful. And so if we rest on the theology of Facebook <clears throat> and we hold true to the teachings of our co-workers, many times we will be led to a false truth that we're all right, we're okay. And if not, if you just think pure thoughts, then you'll be pure suddenly. You know, and those kind of ridiculous things that this world buys as truth. God saw our darkness. God's people in the Old Testament even, God's people experienced glimpses of the light to come. You know the, remember the Israelites when they were going through the wilderness and they saw the, the pillar of fire as God led them? They experienced glimpses of the light to come. And time and time again, the prophets saw it. God allowed them to see it. But God's people anticipated the day when the light would come. They were looking forward to it. And in Isaiah, as we were studying in Sunday school, Isaiah 9 speaks heavily of they were in darkness. Oh, they were in darkness, but they saw a great light. And looking forward to the day when Jesus would be born on this earth and so what's interesting is 
is we live in this time. His light has been revealed. His light has come to earth. The light has come. And so, the light has come. God sent the light to a world in darkness. There's no doubt about the darkness then. There's no doubt about the darkness now. There's no doubt about not only as we look out and we see a darkened world, but if we look in, when I look into my own heart, I can tell there's darkness. And if you cannot see darkness in your own life, ask God to reveal it to you. The light himself has come into the darkness to save the world. As he said here when, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Imagine this people. Imagine his audience, the face-to-face audience that are hearing these things and And some of them, you could tell, are skeptical of who this Jesus guy is anyway because he claims these things that they're not willing to give him. He's giving hints that he is really close to God or perhaps related to God. And then he says, follow me. So if if somebody is in Walmart parking lot and they're just speaking and you can see a crowd starting to gather around them and and you get a little closer just to see what the guy's saying. And if you hear this guy at Walmart saying that, if you follow me, I promise you, you'll never die. If it were me, I'd go to Walmart and buy my stuff and get out. But something's different. Something's different about this guy, about Jesus, because... Jesus is God and he is speaking the truth and he really is the light himself that's come into the world but as you see the darkness rejects the light of life you see them they immediately when he says this the Pharisees challenged him here you are appearing as your own witness your testimony is not valid And time and time again they speak. Then they ask him, where is your father? And they keep saying these things. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? And then they said, who are you? They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So the darkness rejects the light of life. And it happens all over. The world's judgment leaves us in darkness. We're in darkness. And all we have to do is open our eyes to see it. The world's judgment leaves us in darkness. The world's wisdom leads us to our death. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And they asked him, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? But he continued, you're from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sin. So this world's wisdom, their world's wisdom, our time's wisdom, leads you to death. This world's wisdom is foolishness. If you follow the wisdom of this world, Jesus says, you're a fool, you will die. The world's freedom ensures our bondage. So he starts speaking in, in verse 31 about Abraham. And he says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
And so if you are a slave, this freedom sounds awesome, but if you've never been enslaved, it appears they were insulted. Wait, we haven't been a slave to anyone. And obviously we know that perhaps they themselves have not been slaves to anyone, but Jews had been slaves. It wouldn't take much of a thought back into their history when they were slaves to Egypt and were made to build things from bricks and with straw, then with no straw. And I doubt there are any former slaves in this room. If you're thinking purely from the Pharisees in this chapter mindset. But if you're thinking from Jesus' standpoint, all of us are, or at least were, slaves to sin. So this world's freedom ensures our bondage. So what is freeing in this world? Think about our world's teaching, our world, our time's wisdom. In this country, you do you. It wasn't too many decades ago that it was, if it feels good, do it. And as I think of these things, and as I read this text, I'm thinking, man... We're idiots in this world to buy into this foolishness. Why do we do this? We advertise it on TV and live according to this mantra. And people are lining up to buy this garbage when Jesus says, I offer you freedom. And yet we say, much what the Pharisees would say, I'm not a slave. So this world's freedom ensures our bondage and the world's glory ends in our dishonor. In verse 48 and following, when he's accused of being a demon. I think how the people there who were calling him a demon-possessed guy what they must think now you know when you have the, the God of creation tell you that you are a devil you should probably hear that and so what is glorifying to the Pharisees what is glorifying to these listeners leads to their own dishonor and but yet let us hear this for ourselves do we not also like long for self-glory do we not want attention do we not want people to say wow walter is great you know do we not do we not like that does that not tickle our ears And Jesus says, be careful. This is not the real glory. So, when the light comes on and the roaches scatter, listen to the theological teachings of that. When Jesus' light shines on our lives, what are the roaches that need to run? What are the things that need to run back to the darkness? What does he reveal in my life, in your life, that needs to be exposed, that needs to be under the blood of Christ? What does his light mean to you today? The light's, the light's own response to the darkness is simply to shine. One of the I Am statements, you know, the seven 
Sameer, the seven signs. This is one. I am the light of the world. And so what does the light do? It shines. It shines. It can't not shine. If light does not shine, it is not light. So the light is self-evident. It, it, it attests to its own presence. And this is where Jesus is saying, look, I don't need another witness. And even if I did, God the Father got my back. Take that, you devil. And so the, the coming light, speaking from time's sake, and then... The light has come, and now the light shines. So, for us, what is our response to the light? I want to key in as we go from Genesis to Revelation. I want to make sure that we understand this is not just a book of, of historical stories on the page, but this is one book with one point for the glory of God alone. And so, it affects and impacts us we are a part of this story and i don't want us to divorce ourselves from its meaning but also we would be foolish to think that the same god of this book is not challenging us where we are today is not calling us out to sin for our sin and just as his light shines on their sin and exposed it the same is true in my life. And so, just two simple truths as we close. One, what can we do? We can follow the light of Christ and become sons of light. And so just as he was telling them, in me is life. But apart from me there is no life, there is no light. You're dead. The same is true for us. Sons of light dispel the darkness. If there's His light in us, we will shine. We will shine. Are you dark? Is there light? Is His light coming from you and shining to the world? Is it shining to those around you? Is there a desire to go to the world? The light shines. Sons of light shine as light to all nations. We're told to go into a darkened world and shine as light. So we must be careful not to try to shine our light and we shine the light on ourselves so people can see us kind of thing, right? But it's the light of Jesus in our lives the Holy Spirit shining through our lives to the world and whatever part of the world he leads us to whether it's Gates County or whether it's Africa his light shines to the nations and then finally the light of the Lamb will illuminate his people in his presence for all eternity As we go through the, the text of Scripture, you have seen me do this a few times already. But I, when I take a beeline to Revelation, where, it, where the, the Bible ends, <clears throat> but where we see the, the story of eternity simply change gears. Revelation 21 verse 22 I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it on that day 
On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. So think of this picture. Jesus is the light. Jesus, present at creation, created light for us. We chose darkness, and then he shines his light on our darkness and offers us the light. And so there are 6,000 or so unreached people groups in this world for which Christ died. And many of those people groups are represented in this country, but many are not. And so we have this light that he has offered, this light that indwells us if we are in Christ. And then with this light, we must go to the world. And so we have the, op the opportunity to invite people to this light. We have an opportunity to invite people to Christ. And I want to encourage you to do just that. Wherever God leads you, if he leads you to the gas station or if he leads you to another continent, I want us to be open to following him. <clears throat> if his light's in us, it's going to shine. Wherever he leads us, it's going to shine. And so wherever we are, let it shine. And so what that means is, with our mouths will we speak his truth. With our heart, do we see people that are living in darkness? I pray that God will allow me to see people living in darkness and give me the words, the time, the guts to speak life and light into that darkness. I pray that also God will help me to see the darkness in my own life and that as he exposes it, I confess it. It's exposed to his light, forgiven by his blood, and then God will purify us and make us useful vessels to be used for his glory. And so, with this in mind, is his light shining on you? Is his light shining in you? Is he exposing things that need to be confessed, repented of, turned to him? Is his light shining through you into others? Are you beaming? Are you the lighthouse? I'm praying that God would, would be this for us. But I want to also I believe that God is speaking. God is revealing himself and opening our hearts to him. And I don't know exactly what to, I just feel that he's doing it. And so I want us to just be quiet before God and pray and as we do I want the band will come but I want us to as we pray think about this light and your darkness and what we need to do before God what we need to say to God what do we need to reveal or confess that he's revealed to us and let us be serious before the light of the world. So let's pray together. Father, as we, as we step into the light, we know that it's you because you are the light of life. And so, God, I pray that you expose us 
you expose the darkness in us that you allow us to see it so we can confess it so that it's gone so that your light shines pure and clear through us so God as we as we come before you I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room I pray for those who are in this room that that do not yet know you Lord I pray right now that you would do your work that you would shine your light into the corners into the the abyss in our lives reveal in us what needs to be exposed Father I pray that right now across this room that there's repentance and confession going on that Lord you would just call us out cut through the false pretenses cut through the worldly truths that we have bought into that's really foolishness that we're okay and Lord also I pray that <clears throat> for my, my brothers and sisters that Lord, as you reveal your light in us, that we aren't selfish with it and that we shine it. Lord, help us to confess the times when we have hidden the light because we didn't have the guts to, to shine it and bear the consequences of standing in your light. So Lord, I pray in these moments as we we have a few moments just to, to go before you. I pray that you would help us to boldly confess our sin, boldly take the next step where you lead us. And in this time of, of invitation, that we would just cry out to you with thanksgiving, with, with love for you, out of a heart that's been revealed and renewed in you and so Lord hear the praises of your people and Lord as you shine your light on us may we bring glory to you and you alone in Christ's name we pray amen it has been sweet and it is definitely not over this is the moment that you have been waiting for this whole week and uh, you can be seated what I want to do is have the efflers to to come and if you guys would just come over here and if you if it makes you feel weird to stand up you can sit but I want to give you this microphone so that you can say anything your family wants to say but then what I want to do is just open up the floor for you this family to just share encouragement with these guys and and this is this is family these are our brothers and sisters and we we will not see them again for a while but we are going to spend eternity around the throne of god praising our lord together for the rest of forever and so this is family and this is not like you know, you said bye to grandma, we'll see you at Thanksgiving kind of thing. We are sending our family members to go do what we have all been called to do. And so this is an opportunity for us to encourage them, to pray for them. And so first, the Ephesians are going to say anything to us they want to say. Then we are going to encourage them and share with them and then we are going to open it up for a time of anybody and everybody to pray for them without coming together and getting cooties on them and so this is how it's going to go so first Eflers say anything you want to to the rest of your family well, we're, we're glad to be uh, here with you guys and you know really um, this is just raw and off the cuff I did not prepare anything so prepared yourselves 
<laughs> but uh, no, honestly, uh, when we found out we were going to come back here from uh, language school, that was not really part of our plan. Uh, we originally were going to be in France and then transitioning from France uh, straight on to Senegal. And so when that kind of popped up on the radar and we thought, uh, all right, well, we're going to be going back to the States and we got to kind of wrap our minds around that. I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys. I was a little frustrated. I was a little angry. I was like, man, I've been working so hard. We're just ready to get on and get started. We've been in transition for three of the last four years. We've been moving. Uh, we And um, I don't like moving. As a matter of fact, I, I pretty much hate moving. But it, God didn't ask my opinion. He said I need to be obedient. And so um, when we, we found out we were going to come back here, I was like, Lord, I'm just so... I'm just frustrated and I, I don't really understand and we're ready to get on but um, really um, to be honest guys we were kind of empty and uh, you know it's been a privilege to just kind of come back and and get a little bit of a recharge I think um, and renew some relationships and just uh, we've re really felt the love since we've been back and been loved on and, and I didn't realize how much we really needed that you know going out on the mission field uh you know it sounds like this um when you're on this side of the water it sounds like this you know mysterious thing that you know we're always like um you know in the midst of god's will seeing these miracles and miraculous things happening all the time and you know you've had the mission if you've ever had a mission trip experience you know you tend to think of it in terms of that you know every day is and and there is some of that but it also comes at a cost and there's also the mundane and there's the get up in the morning and clean the house and work on the cars and you know what adventure is going to await us today because sometimes those adventures aren't quite as exciting when they're every day the car's doing this or that's happening and you know it comes at a cost and um and so one of those costs is loving we love two worlds, and we love them very much equally. Um, when I'm here, I miss there, and I miss people and miss what we're doing and am ready to be back. But equally, I think when we're there, we love and miss you all here and our family and all of our friends back here. And so we literally have our hearts divided in, in two worlds. And... Um, you know, thank you for being part of that. Uh, thank you for loving on us while we were here and and just the times that we got to spend hanging out and just being here in the church. And even some of you guys, we've had the opportunity to hang out outside of here. And, and it's just been, I didn't, I didn't know I needed that like I needed it. And uh, I just appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we're um, we're just thankful, and thank you so much. Uh, we look forward to getting back here and hanging out with you guys and, and seeing our little family here. And um, both here, and we've got a lot of friends in Suffolk as well. And, and so just this, for me, Gates County and Suffolk, even though they are different, it's about the same area for me. And, and uh, so both between here and Southside, you guys are, we, we love you guys, and you guys have our hearts, and, and we we appreciate so much uh, the, to be back here and and uh, feel that recharge and reconnecting with you guys. And it's meant a lot. So I'm going to put my wife on the spot and see if she has anything she wants to share. Um, really just echoing what my husband said, we're just so thankful for everybody here. We're thankful for your prayers. We're just thankful for you guys pouring into us and doing so sacrificially um, because we know it's a sacrifice on your part too. So we, we so appreciate um, you guys just opening your hearts and your homes and um, giving of your resources and giving of your time and, and um, walking alongside of us in that journey. And um, man, it's just amazing to see what God can do when we're all obedient and when we all answer his call in our life to go and reach the nations and, um, make him known in whatever context he has placed us in. So thank you guys so much. Thank you for, yeah, just pouring into us. Cause yeah, I, I definitely, I'm definitely didn't know that that's what we needed. I was like, okay, our son's getting married. That's like, yay, we get to be there. But man, like that means we're gonna 
not be where we need to be for a little while and that's a little frustrating for me because I like you know you think that I would be broken of that like this last couple of years but I like a plan I kind of like you know <laughs> and God's like oh that's so cute oh, you like a plan oh sorry sorry not sorry um so you know it, it can be a little like oh like he said you know yes we're so thankful for the opportunity to celebrate with our family and our kids and that that's great um, but then on the you know when that's done when that part is over and you're kind of like okay now let's what are we gonna do okay we got to get ready but anyway um, I didn't know I needed just the time to be um, like we have been able to you know COVID has certainly disrupted everybody's life all over the world and caused so many bad things um but um just the inability for us to really travel like we did last time we've all just kind of like been here locally mm. and that's been nice guys mm. <laughs> that's been nice to just connect with people on more of a personal level i mean we haven't really been able to travel very much um, so that's been really nice. And I've loved seeing all my Bible study ladies. That has just been so great. <laughs> I have needed that. Um, so, yeah. So thank you guys for just for all that you've done and all you continue to do and um, just your commitment for partnering with us, you know, in the long haul. So we look forward to what God is going to be doing in and through all of us working together and partnering together. So, yeah. <laughs> I kind of knew that was coming. I was going to put on this part. As as we do kind of transition out, I do want you guys. To told uh, someone one time, what's uh, you know one of the biggest fears about, and we understand this about being gone is to be out of sight and out of mind, mm -hmm. and uh, to lose that connection, and then feel like you have to work very hard when you come back to reconnect with people. And so, do keep us in your prayers, and 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 just remember us. Uh, we do have some prayer cards if you want to get those from us to stick them on your refrigerator and just every now and then if you'll just pray for us uh, you know we we are we are excited to get started with the the, the work ahead and uh, but we also know that first of all guys we're not worthy of that um, this God's the God's the hero and he gets the glory uh, for all that we're nothing special we're just trying to serve the Lord and and we know that like I'm nothing without him and that's just reality I don't have, I don't reserve anything for myself. There's no glory to be had. It's it, we all feel that way. It's where it's privilege. It's a privilege to serve him in this way, and it's a privilege to be an extension of you guys. Um, and um, you know, I'm just thankful that he allows us to be part of it. And just remember that because we we can't do anything without his power and without your prayers and your support. We 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 can't serve, and so uh, we do appreciate that. And we do want to take a minute just to put credit where credit is due and the glory and honor always now and forever will belong to God and uh, anything that he does in the kingdom's sake is for his own glory so thank you so much Walter for giving us the opportunity amen I am uh, I'm I'm kind of adopted into this family because y'all knew each other long before I knew any of you <clears throat> and so it's been sweet to get to know these guys and you know just have have food with them and move concrete blocks with them and stuff like that it's been it's been sweet and so now is your turn how can you encourage these guys word of scripture word of hope yes sir
Amen. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. On. It's like they just took a vote. Which one of us are going to do this? It's you. Yep, they said the oldest goes first, so yes. I guess I'm going first. Um, to be honest, I, as I'm getting older, I really don't know whether I'm going to stay on the mission field or come back and live in the States, so that's actually something I've been working on figuring out as I've gotten older because... I'm going to be 18 next year, and I need to figure out what I'm going to be doing, so. But I am leaning more towards um, spending an extra year after I graduate with my parents in Africa, so I can find out all my options there. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got I to be honest, I really, I really don't know what I'm going to do, so. Um, I'm kind of leaning more towards coming back and getting a job and starting a family, but uh, God's got it in control, and I really don't know what I've seen myself doing so far. So we kind of let them. Oh, just to just to answer you, Don, for on your behalf, what we've done as parents is uh, really just allow them the total freedom to allow how God is uh, pursuing them. And whether that is come back here, and that's perfectly fine with us, you know, for this season of their life. And 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 I, hey, you brought up a good point that maybe you guys are not aware of, but we made uh, these decisions as a family, uh, really, uh, to go back and to be in Senegal. Our family, we spent some time in prayer, and we brought the kids in, and we said, "Look, guys, here here's our options." Um, option one, uh, there was a mission field in a place called Vanuatu. Uh, off the coast of Fiji where they had a water project in the mission that I work with. I said, they speak English. We won't have to go to language school. We can go there. We can live on the island and we can learn the uh, Aboriginal language on site. That's an option. It was open field. We could have went there. Uh, we could come back to the States and uh, I know that God's called me into ministry and I can look for a role as a pastor. Um, and so if you guys, we can pray about that and I can come back and take, uh, if that's God's will, we'll take a role. I'll look for a pastoral role or we can pray and start looking for an entire country in West Africa that we're going to go work in. And so when we originally talked and I know we've had some emotional ups and downs since then, but we felt affirmed in that moment that, uh, and, and I feel that way now, um, that God was calling, not just me and Jesse, but our family uh, we they all had input on that and uh, were part of that conversation when we decided to go to Senegal. So we spent time in prayer, we spent time in discussion, and we considered all of that. And we did tell them as parents we reserved the right to say, "All right, this is where we're going." However, uh, we they affirmed that they wanted to stay in West Africa. They wanted to stay uh, in uh, French-speaking West Africa. So that was that decision but as they get older we want them as parents we're just praying that 
you know, there's no, um, I, I want to say something, that there's no tier level in service of Christ. You know, it doesn't start pastor, missionary, and like tear your way down from deacon and things like that. There's either obedience or disobedience. Amen. And so wherever God's placed you, um, God's called you to be obedient there. And so that uh, is what we want them to understand. And that's what I think all of us uh, really need to understand is like, you know, we're all just, we're all on the same playing field here. It really is, are you obedient where God has you? And is, are you where he ha wants you? Uh, and that's really the question. And for us, we were assured of that. And, you know, I was thankful for their input in, uh, in that because we did, this is their life too. And so we did, we actually did make this decision. I can honestly say as a family. So. Amen. Amen. 